Hello and welcome to the Casually Profound Podcast. I'm Lauren McLean and I'm joined today by three fabulous women um, to talk about ethical spirituality. So I have Rachel from Reckless Rich... Reckless... No. I don't even know how to say it. Can you please say it? <laughs> Reckless Witchcraft. Yeah, okay. it's a it's a mouthful. It's always a tongue twister for me. <laughs> always the um and then we have shuna on uh from calgary alberta and we have minerva joining us all the way from iceland so these women all came from very different backgrounds connected to me in very different ways uh rachel i met on instagram when i followed her meme page reckless witchcraft and um she posts the most hilarious stuff all the time Shuna and I met eight-ish years ago doing advocacy work together for post-secondary students in Canada. And Minerva and I met just recently in a social media class that we took with the fabulous Flynn Skidmore. Um, So welcome and hello and thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thank us. (laughs) You're welcome. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Wouldn't do it without you. And so today we are going to kick it off um, with a little bit, I want to start on the funny side. I want to start with Rachel. I want to start with um, what kind of made you launch into this world. Your your Instagram is very satirical again with, um, kind of, I want to, satirical about the spiritual community. And um, I want to know kind of what got you into that and how you see the world through that lens. Cause it seems like a totally foreign concept to me. Oh, that is a, that's a lovely question. I'll do my best <laughs> to condense it for you. So I started reckless witchcraft about four years ago. It was originally called, um, voodoo bullshit. <laughs> I essentially, I was experiencing a personal awakening, but I was in a great deal of denial that I actually was headed towards um, some of the spaces that I just thought were, to be honest, like ridiculous before. So it started as a a satire page towards spiritual practices and and spiritual um, people because I just didn't, I just didn't get it. I come from a background um, of a lot of trauma. Um, and I essentially saw people in this world as I was like, there's absolutely no way that that's real. It's just, I don't, I don't get it. And then the more and more I, you know, stopped denying my gifts, started doing a lot more digging and research. I was like, okay, this, this is, there are aspects of this that are real. Um, but there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things that are going on that I think are are not ethical and a lot of um, people being taken advantage of, you know, people in really vulnerable emotional states, which I was, um, you know, and I fell for a lot of um, a lot of scams like psychic scams, uh, psychic scammers. Um, I would pay for some, you know, mindset classes that just did not work. Um, so I started kind of switching it into more of a, um, more of a critical review of it. And I've always used humor as like my number one outlet. So it just made sense to kind of pair the two. So I am in a space now where I am trying to figure out, um, you know, what parts really resonate and what parts are, are safe. I think safety is like the biggest thing 
uh, biggest concern for me in this space. And so, yeah, that's kind of the roundabout way that that happened. Mm -hmm. So you came into it with this kind of lens of trauma, but um, the I'm curious how then you see the world in general, um, knowing that you're using humor and knowing that you have learned from experience with this stuff. Like, how have you come to interact with the rest of the world, not just the spiritual community and that kind of thing? Like, is there an awareness that you have that stuff is unsafe or that you're you're wanting to to move kind of the conversations in a different direction or how does that feel on a day-to-day -day basis mm, that is who it's been it's been tough honestly um because the past um i'd say the past four years has just like completely shifted my my world my worldview um and in a lot of a lot of positive ways and in a lot of ways where it does make it more difficult because I have kind of changed the way that I even interact with with everyone so um, in realizing you know a lot of the um, the groups that I was in or the the people that I admired were just you know not oh, not emotionally healthy or safe I guess <laughs> so it's it's can be tough because I am um, I would consider myself a harsh realist so having that worldview with the humor and the sarcasm but also having just this spot-on intuition and things that I gifts that I cannot explain I feel like two separate people a lot of the times but mm. um, I'm trying to do my best to, to integrate them and um you know there's a lot of self-deprecation that <laughs> that happens with that type of worldview as well so i'm that's something that i'm really working on is um you know kind of reframing that i can take myself seriously despite um you know the default of humor so yeah it's changed it's changed my the way that i operate um a lot yeah, I definitely relate to that a lot, feeling that split between, like, I, I that makes so much sense. Minerva, you're nodding a lot. Does this resonate with you, too? Yeah, I think I was mainly immersed in your story and taking it in. But if I think about how it resonates, for me, um, I've definitely also had encounters with um, spirituality and a certain type of, um, you know, you are the creator, positive vibes paradigm that, um, that in a ways have done um, perhaps more harm than good also in my personal life and certainly with my some of my clients as well and now working as a as a self healing self leadership coach like i'm very mindful um that 
the client is always the authority, like our inner world is always the starting point. And then gluing on top of that, gluing these sort of, um, yeah, ideologies that are not necessarily in touch with the individual or, uh, or for example, being trauma informed. Um, that can be a pretty sticky space to be in, be in and there's a like it's very attractive to someone who's suffering certainly um, but not always uh, not always safe I think as you say Rachel I also think safety is of utmost importance uh, not only when it comes to something as delicate as trauma but also just in general when we're out there looking to expand and grow in some way, it, it, in my opinion, it's all rooted in safety because that's when it actually becomes accessible for us to, to step into something bigger. So what is your practice for cultivating safety, Minerva? We, we'll start within yourself. Within myself, um, and which is very much the same as as in my practice, is to always start with what is. Like, you simply are where you are. I am where I am. I might want to one day be in a in a blissful, abundant space. Um, now those are just kind of poignant words that I'm using. And, um, or where, wherever it is that I want to go, my starting point is like the most sacred step of the journey actually and so whether that's on a on a scale of growth uh, or just me starting my day to cultivate safety within myself is always to find out where I am like find out where I am collect myself from there um, sort of not leave a part of myself behind um, and then ask myself what is possible and then do what I need to do to move towards that in my own pace, in my own rhythm and sort of practically speaking how that's done. For me, I'm, um, I think nervous system work is quite important uh, to make sure that our nervous system, our biological um, safety withholding mechanism uh, is on board where, is on board with what we're doing. Uh, and outside of that, also making sure that our yeah, we're a complicated, we're a complex, we're a elaborate, elegant human system, much more than the mind, much more than our conscious thoughts, much more than our positive intent. And so, to make sure that our whole self is on board, I think is the key. How long has it taken you to develop that practice and develop a safety within holding that safety practice? Well, the practice is, is very much ongoing. It's, a, it's really an art, I think, a constant like deepening of sort of the relationship with the self. Um, and like any relationship, it has its like amazing smooth sailing, in love, honeymoon periods where the inner um, symbiosis just is on point and then and then there's also rough patches where it's less easy to understand the self. Um, but for me, I would say um, 
it's an interesting question how long did it take because because in a way it's instant like it it's a it's a paradigm shift it's a it's a saying yes to a certain new way of relating to oneself um and then on the other hand um it takes a certain amount of time like putting in supportive practices starting to sort of build the foundational sense of safety in however my system happens to thrive best then it takes a certain amount of time for it to sort of um, for there to have built a, a strong internal base um, for me um, yeah, I don't think I can give sort of a time frame. It's such mm -hmm. a it's such a living organism. But I've made the choice for myself. I would say, I've I've also made the choice a few times in my life uh, through different iterations. But I would say, my sort of unwavering commitment to to that and to myself was around three and a half years ago, four years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's very cool. And Shuna, I'm curious, being a lawyer, you work a lot with clients and that kind of thing who are in situations that they're trying to, you're helping them advocate for themselves out, like, out of bad situations, that kind of thing, um, or into better situations. How do you notice this feeling of safety? And is this something that's conscious to you when you're working with your clients and that kind of thing as well? Uh, well, I think any lawyer should <clears throat> prioritize the safety of their clients. Fortunately industry I'm in, there's not a lot of scenarios where the individual might be in a situation that they're physically unsafe. I don't practice in family law, for example, which that can arise quite, quite frequently, especially when you're in the midst of a separation, right? Um, and I'm curious because I was, I was thinking about what Minerva was saying and about um, how she takes her clients and then builds their ideologies on top of their self. And I'm sure that we have very similar scenarios where obviously every client that walks into my office has a background, has a belief system. Um, and part of my job, and I think part of every lawyer's job is to respect that belief in that system and work within that belief in that system to get the result that they need. Um, Obviously, one of the less talked about aspects of that is, you know, how people engage with their religion or their spirituality or what have you, and making sure that you're really respectful of that, that you understand the limits, et cetera, so that you're pushing their best foot forward that also resonates with their, themselves. Um, so, for example, there are religions out there that... Um, believe that you should only uh, get what you're owed. So that means you can't have interest or something like that. So in Canadian law, you're entitled to an additional chunk of money just because it's taken two or three years to resolve your, your file or whatever, um, but they can't accept that. So navigating that piece where they still get what they're entitled to at law without impeaching their belief system, you, you have to kind of work within that. Um, sometimes it's donating that money, helping them figure out how to donate that money, or sometimes it's just saying, let's not even go there. Um, and that's going to be 
different for every single person. Um, and the reason I'm talking religion and spirituality kind of together, and I'm sure everyone's got some thoughts on organized religion, um, but really from my perspective, they're kind of the same thing. It's just what, what is your belief system? What is your, what is, what, what do you resonate with? Um, and that I think has been an interesting theme is that resonation. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a, safety is a key issue for sure. Um, and you need to prioritize that, but you also need to prioritize someone's belief system because at the end of the day, like whenever I work for a client and my job is to meet all of that client's needs. Um, and part of that is making sure that you're, I think, understanding and patient and um, not putting bias, I guess, into the conversation and just navigating it that way. I don't know if that actually answers your question, but that's what I've been thinking about this entire time. So I thought I'd just put it on the table. Yeah. Yeah. I don't <laughs> into it. I think it does answer the question really, because it's looking at, um, like you were talking about creating safety for clients, for the people that we interact with on, on these like intimate levels. And I mean, even legal work, like that's very important to a person, right? Like you're going through this huge ordeal to, to win a case, that kind of thing. Um, and I like just respecting the beliefs and, and being able to observe their beliefs and then put those into action and that kind of thing. I think that's an important way of doing that, right? Well, and I, I actually think a lot of lawyers forget that. Um, we have an interesting job, at least in Canada and probably the US and actually probably the UK too, which is we're hired to be objective. And I think a lot of lawyers struggle with that because they're like, I need to make sure I'm being objective and giving my client all the information they need, but they forget to navigate that piece of who their client is. And you can be both objective and tie your recommendation into to whatever that is. So for example, if there is a religious aspect where they can't accept interest, you can tell them what they're entitled to at law and then give them some options for navigating that. And then they can do what they need to do to figure out whether that's going to meet their needs within themselves, right? Because religion, spirituality, whatever, I really don't care what, what people want to call it. Um, that's so important to who they are as a person um, that I think we just have to be more mindful of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious in general, I'm going to throw this out to the group. Um, what does a spiritual community look like to you guys that is truly inclusive and um, accessible to people at all levels of the continuum, I would say? Rachel, do you want to start? <laughs> I, I thought a lot about this question and it, it saddened me that I... I actually could not come up with with a framework for it um, because especially and I know this can like go down a different rabbit hole but with like specifically like white individualism um, we don't have a lot of like I don't know what my roots are I don't know where I could turn for for ancestors even and I think that we have you know, through colonization, we've just like obliterated all, um, you know, former native ways of having those communities. And so I think 
more than ever, we need to be turning there, you know, to, to, to where it was before when we actually did have those communities. Because I don't know if I know of one of those that exists currently, at least not in, you know, my region. Um, so I would love to hear what, you know, some of the framework of, of the other, you know, these other beautiful ladies, what you guys think, um, because I just, you know, I feel like it is budding, you know, in an, in an online space. I feel like I have a lot of people I can, um, be in community with on, um, Instagram, but it's not, you know, it still has its shortcomings because we're not in community with together in person. So, um, yeah, hopefully that, hopefully that answers it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I threw that question in the like pre questions because I genuinely have not been able to come up with an answer for it myself. <laughs> okay. All. all right. That I'm like, every time I better. come up. Yeah. I, when, okay, listen, when I was younger, I had this total, like, this is how it's going to be. And this is going to be so great. And like, whatever. And then the more that I learned, the more that I'm like, what the fuck was she thinking? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's discouraging though at the same time you know yeah i mean i get it i hate past shuna some days i'm like why did you make that decision (laughs) oh my god when is this gonna come up again and someone's gonna make fun of you about this choice (laughs) Oof. (laughs) yes yes yeah i also kind of paused a little with this question um and for me it came down to mainly like what's a spiritual community versus any community and how to build any healthy community um and then i always return to to systems and the fact that we're all all systems like i am a system my whole human system you know like i just talked about and now we're a system us four individuals in this zoom space uh creating this podcast together like we have a system now to um whatever i bring in is gonna affect uh shuna in some way and then shuna is gonna pivot in some way and then rachel is gonna uh, shift in some way like we're a living organism that's interacting all the time and such is any community and um and what makes for a like just as you said Rachel in the um uh like there used to be a stronger culture for community and for uh for healthy systems really um when we perhaps lived in a stronger union with nature and would sit in circle instead of uh, on on a pyramid um and sort of that interconnectedness uh is something that we've lost a lot lost touch with to a large extent i think and that's kind of when we lose the stats the touch with circularity and how we are also as i was saying earlier about like every client's self is the starting point and then we build on top of that like every one of us are an essential part of the whole whether it's this whole of four right here or whether it's the whole of our family system or our 
nation, like whatever it is, like we all carry sort of a, a little sliver of the collective consciousness. And the more that we can feel safe enough, again, to bring those voices forward and have arenas where we can actually hear each other's voices, um, that's... I believe that that's a way to build a healthier community, no matter which community it is. And sort of where we deviate from that um, and kind of lose touch of the fact that we all know what we need to know, like we all carry that self-leadership that's of value, then we start to build the pyramids and the hierarchies and look to the people who know best and who know more than I do, and who know more about me than I do, and know, who know how to take me somewhere where I uh, want to go because I can't take myself there myself. And that's when we naturally gravitate towards a guru or a spiritual leader or a speaker or a thought leader who we sort of outsource our internal wisdom, like our internal understanding of the whole to them. Hmm. More listening, less talking. Yeah. I think so. I think so. More listening, less talking, and more asking what is needed here instead of how should it be? Where should we go? What should happen next? Because the what is needed here always answers to the question of, well, what is there right now? Again, like the, the starting point is the only realistic first step to take. Fair enough. I um, It's interesting that you say that, and I'm sorry to jump in, Lauren, but um, my husband and I were just having a similar conversation, not quite the same. Um, he's doing a lot of internal work right now, which is great, um, but he has big concerns about the communities we have today, similar to, to, I think, your thoughts. You know, he doesn't think that we should be living in massive cities, and he thinks that that massiveness of our community is what's you know, perpetuating things like depression and anxiety and stuff like that. And we're supposed to be in smaller communities, a couple hundred people, you know, that sort of thing. So it's kind of interesting that I had a very similar conversation like last week about this. Mm -hmm. The, um, I mean, it's everywhere, right? Like, I think this is something that everybody's thinking about is building communities and doing so in a way that really actually connects with people. Because I think social media had such a, um, you know the whole push of the, like the democratization of the internet like it was so great at one point and now there's kind of a disillusionment that people are waking up to being like oh I don't actually feel more connected to people even though I know nine million people on the internet um, mostly because they haven't invited their internet friends to be their real life best friends yet that's the, that's the <laughs> secret uh, <laughs> but I something you said Minerva definitely keyed off on me oh it was i mean <clears throat> actually it was rachel it was saying about the kind of more uh indigenous ways of being and that kind of thing and recognizing that the kind of the pre-colonization social structures may have insight into how we can connect more as community the um I th and, and, and with what Minerva was saying about what is and starting taking our first step at documenting what really is, I think that there, my hypothesis is that, and if I could be proven wrong on this, that's totally fine. This is just a hypothesis. My hypothesis is that um, 
we actually innately know how to hold those circles and how to hold that society and how to hold those tribes and that kind of thing like it's probably easier in small communities like you were saying and you and your husband were talking about the um shuna the it's probably easier to practice that in smaller communities and i think that it's i think that there's a there is an innate ability in people to to know that but that our society this day is so these days are is so big and so there's so much going on that there's so much um external pressure or conditioning or whatever you want to call it um to act in uh, various ways whether it's colonization or you know your mom told you this or whatever the thing is um that there's not a habit of listening to your heart um and listening to that like actual innate wisdom i think it's different than intuition at least i experience it a little bit differently than intuition intuition is just like it's like another voice and it's like listening to the right radio station but it's still somewhat like even if it's internal it's still a different layer of the internal this like instinctive voice or this instinctive ability to to communicate and listen more than you talk and to be in circle and to to exist outside of these structures of um oppressive structures and that kind of thing i think is on a deeper like a very deep level of the internal world does this make sense to anyone i mean i definitely can distinguish I can distinguish a gut feeling, which I think is what you mean by like trusting your heart versus instinctively knowing the answer. Cause that's not like an internal feeling. Yeah. That I almost even want to say that it's like deeper than a gut feeling. Cause a gut feeling for me is like a, for me at least. And I recognize that not everybody follows the same logic system is that like a gut feeling is like a, yes, I'm going to go this direction or no, I'm going to go that direction. It's not a, I don't can't necessarily act from or carry on from that place. It gives me like a very short window of like yes, no, right, left, like let's go here, go there, and then there's this like deeper knowing space that I can actually like act from and carry out a thing from, and I think mm. that's the place that um, there's maybe not a, a it's maybe not common to act from that place, but I think that that's where this ability to be human is that too general comes from um <laughs> and like to you know to relate and to build those communities and that kind of thing on a on a bigger level and it's so interesting whenever that you brought up the um it's not just a spiritual community it's all communities i love that you brought that up because i specifically focus it on spiritual communities knowing that that was not realistic and not really a real thing but yet there's this total like culture on the internet of gurus and of the people that you hand your power off to that has become so sacred in a way like it's the sacred cow um and i think it's fabulous that you brought that it's actually all communities yeah i didn't know what a spiritual community is and maybe it's because i wouldn't define myself as part of the spiritual community so i was like what what the what the fuck is that (laughs) I know that. Go for it. So I'm just sitting thinking about what you said about the gut feeling versus the intuition and and the connection between that two, like the 
the lack of connection to the self these days or listening to to that inner voice or those many inner voices um and yeah i i don't think i have anything particularly smart to say about this but just that i i recognize what you're talking about and the it's interesting with the gut feeling conversation it's also a, a language thing um mm. i'm a finnish person living in denmark speaking english every day so there's sort of many different linguistic worlds that i um live in and and that word gut feeling has a different connotation in in all three of those languages which is interesting because it means that we don't actually agree on what a gut feeling is mm. um which makes sense because uh gut feeling coming from the gut like the body is what holds our personal stories and the body is what holds our personal history and trauma and tensions and memories and emotions and so i might have a you know my gut feeling might be a, a quick voice to speak because um because of my trauma history for example um and also you know the, the more that i do healing the more that i um work on myself or I don't love the word working on myself, but the more healing that happens in my body, my gut feelings also change and those messages change. But then there is that message that never changes, which is the, I think, Lauren, what you're referring to with the intuition, which is more like, boom, like when the spirit comes in or when the, whatever we want to name it, just kind of comes through and it's this uh, clearest day sort of, Ah, like there's not a hint of anxiety in it. It's just pure information. And let me see, where am I? Where am I actually going with this? If just speculating, I have no idea. I've never thought this before. But it might be that the that the pure sort of intuition is the how to be human information that you mentioned at the end, Lauren, and then the gut feelings and the feelings from my body are answering the question of how to be this human, like mm. this body, this person, this system, this history, how does this one move about in this world? And then the more I am in harmony with this one, like the less I work against this one, the more the, the, the other type of clarity can come through about the um yeah i'm i'm interested in the fact that i would like to call it spirit because i don't i don't use that word all that much for myself um but do you like do you catch what i'm sort of a hundred percent i'm i yeah. like i'm speechless right now because that makes so it makes a ton of sense Rachel, and Lauren, that's the first <laughs> i know <laughs> sorry Rachel, do you have any thoughts you want to add? That I'm sitting in the same same seat that just makes, that has a whole lot of clarity. Um, and yeah, it's difficult too, because there's a lot of weight in the words that we use. And I know there, there can even be like religious trauma or cult trauma connected to a lot of them. But I, yeah, I want to use the word like that, that collective, um, energy um, or collective intuition, just the type of cl 
clarity and um, information that comes with like giving a shit about other people. And um, I think we're, yeah, I don't want to get too much on a tangent, but I think that a lot of these um, circles that we see, or at least here in the US, they're very, very focused on um, the individual and they forget about that whole other set that we just, I think, what, you know, just a note on what you said that we innately have, like we should, I really think that, you know, if we are, um, you know, really tuned in and we've done a lot of um, inner healing, then we do start to, you know, have more of a 360 view and then we can um, take that healing out into community. And I think that's a big piece that we're not currently doing in a lot of a lot of spaces. I'm curious how you've been able to live in that 360 view and maybe it's a lot, maybe it's a little, I'm not sure. Cause that's definitely been a part that I've struggled with. I've definitely noticed that like there is this like 360 view to inhabit. And I also, at this point in my life have no fucking clue how to <laughs> inhabit me as a person and be myself and also honor that 360 view. And so I've just defaulted to, I'm like, listen, I'm going to be myself first because I have no idea. It feels like riding two horses with one ass and I have no clue how to do that. And I'm curious how that has shown up for you in your life. It's a great phrase. I haven't heard that before. Riding really? Two horses yeah, with one ass. I haven't either. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty incredible. I think I am, I am in a position right now where I'm really trying to trying to figure that out, um, especially with the just heightened period of isolation that we've all experienced, um, you know, the past few years, I was just like, I find myself like yearning for a community. Um, and I don't know what, what that would look like. Um, and I think it's, I think a lot of it too is just learning how to accept accept people exactly where they are. Um, I know we haven't like talked astrology yet, but being like Get into it heavy on heavy heavy on the Aquarian side here, I I tend to expect a lot from people. I tend to like one of my favorite phrases is like just act right, like just just care, just like give a shit about other people you should care about making you know people feel safe you know generally you know obviously if they're being abusive towards you or um unkind then you know you don't have to just sit there and take it but <laughs> um i think a lot of it is also just learning how to be how to be indifferent um how to hold space for a just a lot of different um, energies and have a, a worldview of like everyone is coming into every social situation with um, with their particular set of, of trauma and relational trauma. And um, yeah, I think it's, we just have to adjust so much of our attitude. Um, I don't know. I'm sure it's, I hope that it's different um, in other westernized you know countries but here in the u.s it's 
it's it's been like the most divided that I've ever experienced it and it it's actually made me develop this like fear of other people or fear of being in groups and I don't know the the solution there but it is um it's disheartening so yeah I think I'm with you on that one long answer for that particular question of just like I would really love to know how to um to have more of a 360 view and put that into action you know I can say that I am there all I want but it hasn't popped up in my in my active life yet and in the meantime you find humor yes (laughs) yes that's a that's the relief from the heaviness of it all because it is it's very heavy I think it's a huge diversion from the way that I would like to live or a lot of people would like to be in communion with other people I think that heaviness is something that I felt a lot too. Um, I mean, when we were in college, when Shuna and I were in college like eight years ago, we were doing advocacy work um, like with the government and that kind of thing to get uh, better situations for students. And at that point, it felt so simple of like, I can go have a meeting and get a policy changed. It's not quite that simple, but like that's the spirit of it. And, um, <laughs> but the like I can go and talk to someone or I can go and make this connection and then like I can have things changed and I can move the needle and I have my group and I know that I'm doing things better for my group and then I got out of college and into the real world and and then the whole just like culture of the world started changing right like colonization started being talked about more than it had been and um like different intersectionality started coming up to like kind of pop culture levels and that kind of thing right and so then it becomes it's not just like oh i can have one meeting and represent my group i have to represent my group and also think about these six other groups and that kind of thing and so the yeah the weight with that the definitely was a lot to try and navigate I ended up doing my um working on my undergrad in political economy I'm not done it yet but um doing a lot of work in sociology and that kind of thing and looking at society and why why does it why why does this hurt why does society hurt what is going yeah. on here mm-hmm. and um the answers that I came up with felt so unsatisfactory like at the time, like I would write a big paper and I would come to a big conclusion and be like, yes, this is the problem for a world. And then two weeks later, be like, what? How is that? There's so much more. There's so much more. And the answer that I think I've been living with since then, and this is totally not like the right way. And I am not advocating that other people should take this way. And I wish that I had a better solution for myself um, has just been to to be myself and to be like no I get to be happy the I know I can know that all of this heaviness is going on and I can know that everybody is um can you guys hear this dog losing its mind yeah just a little (laughs) little a little bit not too bad okay okay so the solution that I've come for with myself is that I, I get to be happy and I can know that all of this, um, I can know that all of this stuff is going on in the world and I can hold empathy for it and I can hold space for it and know that it is not the end of the world. 
Um, and this is gonna might be coming across as insensitive, and I'm going to own that that I might not be taking into account every single person's individual experience. I um because at the end of the day, it's like I can't I can't control anything. I literally can't control anything. I can hold space for things. I can I can hold empathy for things, but I will not be able to solve all this on my own. And I don't know how to find my community to solve these things if I am not happy and if I'm and happy is an overgeneralization but um the if I'm not living my best life and so I have focused on that and and in that way have been able to meet people like yourselves um to have these kind of conversations with um so yeah that's the only way I've found to navigate these two horses so far (laughs) you've heard that saying before haven't you never <laughs> really <laughs> not ever i'm like that's not a canadian saying just so you guys know it is a lauren saying <laughs> maybe a manitoba <laughs> saying i don't know <laughs> we have a lot of horses here so maybe people who have horses have heard it i don't know <laughs> it's pretty I great it like a jeff bridges movie i thought, <laughs> I thought he said that in a jeff bridges movie anyways i, I mean know. it could have happened i don't know <laughs> uh but to jump off all of this i've been sitting yeah. here thinking um I love that you like made a joke about being very Aquarius. I'm very Scorpio. (laughs) It hurts. So I feel that. Um, No, I, so I have never had an issue with like being myself ever. I could give two shits what someone thinks of me. I can attest to this. And like, I often get emails with like accusations of my ethics and who I am as a person. And a lot of lawyers take it quite personally and have a lot of issues with that. Um, see a lot, seek a lot of therapy around it. I'm like, oh, they're having a bad day. Whatever. <laughs> They'll be fine in two weeks. It's fine. Like I know who I am, so I don't care. And I've always been like that. Um, I think I went through a period maybe in high school where I tried to be someone I wasn't. And I was like, no, this feels gross probably Shuna seniors raising me the way that that way I don't know but it's just always been a thing but I have been having issues with the matching energy lately and so I've started getting angry at people because they're not giving me what I want and I've realized that I I'm either setting their my expectations too high for what they can provide right now or um, I'm not communicating that expectation one of the two things are happening and so um, what I've been working really hard on is checking in with people's energy levels so that I know what to expect, right? So if they're at a one or a two, I know we're not going to be having like a riveting conversation. You know, it's going to be like, let's get to the point and then I'll, I'll take myself out because you don't have the energy to provide what I need. And then I'm not mad at them or frustrated with them anymore. And it may, I don't know, it seems to be helping my relationships, which is good. Um, but then I also know if I'm at a five and I need an, another five, I'll probably call Lauren because she's usually at a five, but you know, <laughs> it's one of those things where you, you just find the person that can provide that element almost. Um, but it's made a big difference in my, my happiness, I guess, for lack of a, a better definition. It almost feels silly to use happiness as a metric these days. I'm like, I don't know where the fuck that's coming from, but the, like, it seems like that's superficial now. 
seems weird. Like, yeah. Well, happiness or or whatever. I mean, joy or being resourced or being well or or whatever it is. But some, like, I mean, yes, we live in this sort of, uh, you know. <laughs> toxic positivity culture in in many ways where happiness is like the the baseline that we're supposed to have when it's actually one aspect of the huge you know human spectrum that we all fluctuate between all the time um but on the other hand it is like a very very fair thing to want to be consistently experiencing and um you know, speaking to the heaviness of the world and then what, where does that leave me, the individual, like, um, especially if we have any sort of uh, empathetic tendency to us at all, we actually get to be quite mindful of that uh, we can have compassion for the heaviness, we can do our, I mean, like Lauren said, we can't control any of it, but we can influence it. And we do get to like step into the responsibility of doing that. And at the same time, the heaviness does not need to enter me. Like I, I get to take care of myself and not feel guilt about the wellness that I'm able to have at the same mm -hmm. time as I do what I can to alleviate the unwellness of, of another. Um, and 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 I do like I used to work on an organizational level with organizational development, much in, with the same principles of um, healing systems from within. And if we start to organize better, run our companies better, then that's going to affect our outcomes and policies, and da 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 da. And the ripple effect is going to, you know, extend upwards and upwards until I actually realized that it does all start and end with the individual. Like the more that we as individual entities, individual people find that inner alignment within us, as in bring our internal system to a balanced state, mm -hmm. then like every time I come closer to myself, all the people around me uh, develop a little bit more ease. Um, every time that I speak more of my truth, it becomes that much more accessible for the people around me to speak theirs. And and equally, if I'm feeling like crap, if I hang out with a friend who is, you know, just in touch with the fact that they're a great person and they might even still remember that I'm a great person, then my mood is going to lift rather than me dragging, dragging that person down because the highest frequency does in fact um win and so and so that's why i really like you know this gandhi uh slogan of being the change you want to see in the world i used to look at that and and just think like what a load of bullshit until i realized that that's that's actually true because the only thing that i have like full agency over not always i mean i'm also a total fucking mystery to myself um but <laughs> but i have agency over making sure that i'm okay making sure that i'm well making sure that i'm because when i'm well i'm in touch with my mission when i'm well i'm in touch with the collective truth when i'm well then i'm able able to uh you know see and understand the 360 rather than uh, have my ego be sort of wrapping itself around itself only. 
And so the better I am, the better my immediate circle around me gets to be. And then their circle, and then their circle, and then their circle. Because we are an interconnected human race. Like, we, it really is the people that we come into contact with face to face that we um, have a huge impact over just by being together. Um, And so, you know, and that's a great thing. And it might feel futile because we really want to reach up there. Like, we want to change the bigger questions um but change yeah but how does change actually happen i mean yeah let me know what you think too all of you like change it is uh yeah an incremental shift by shift by shift by shift accumulative pivoting into something that happens from within unless it happens through a huge disruption from the outside like a meteor strikes earth and then all the dinosaurs die fair enough human race is obliterating itself from the inside out uh, by killing (laughs) the planet very slowly which we're now of course trying to shift to be another trajectory um i i have no idea where i even took myself in this rant I think that's the problem with podcasts. Sometimes you like start talking and you're like, I've just put words on the table. I hope you can make sense of it. That's your job, Lauren, right? (laughs) Yes, that is my job. And I think I know exactly where you're going with it. And I think that the, what you were talking about with that, like, um, you know, we're all hoping for the, we we want to influence um, the world in these really big ways. And like, as a fellow heavy Aquarius, I can, that's a hundred percent on my mind. um, A lot is like, um is i want to influence the world in really big really noticeable ways that kind of thing right and i also have a lot of leo in my chart hi and um the i think that what you've talked about like these you know change is these small incremental things it is this small um it does happen on the individual level that's where i've been for a long time is that like society is a collection of individuals and when things change on the individual level the needle of society moves very slowly because there's so many pieces in society right like that dominant culture moves slowly because it takes literally one by one individuals changing their mind and changing their mindset um, to accept a new way of being to accept a new set of social rules and that kind of thing and social norms and so the those big changes I, okay so in hearing what you said Minerva what is totally clicking for me is that that heaviness that i have let myself experience um because society is not at not doing what i want it to do comes from holding those big changes and those big leaps in a higher regard than my own individual changes and overvaluing those big leaps um when really in society like society over history has seen those giant leaps happen and they are not fun like it's not actually what we want um there's been a lot of instances in society the only one that's coming to mind right now is the roman empire that's a weird example but um uh how like when things fall quickly and when they fall far the results are catastrophic and set us back um a long ways and so the gradual changes are actually the more powerful ones and the ones that 
can feel good in the moment, right? Instead of anguishing over these large changes that we want to happen um, in community, in society, and all those kind of things. What do you think, fellow Aquarian, Rachel? <laughs> oh, I'm trying to, you know, kind of stewing on all of it, ruminating. Um, because, yeah, I I heard this joke that was like, Aquarians care more about, like, the human race as a whole than they do the individual human, <laughs> like, um, which I can totally, yeah. oh, totally feel guilty of. Um, but I do think it's uh, like that gradual change piece is super interesting because even on the individual level, if you try to think about changing something overnight, your nervous system is like, nah. Um, so, yeah, it, it can be incredibly frustrating, especially, I think, from people who have, like, people like us who have that, like, very um, realistic, like, observational overview of things um, and see the systems that need to change and know the, like, mindset programming that we've been, like, indoctrinated in. Um, it can be really frustrating to be patient with that and um not just want to like you know <laughs> scream everything from the rooftops but it's gonna take it's gonna take time unfortunately unless there is something catastrophic which we don't need another another thing um so yeah i'm trying to kind of sit here with myself and develop some like <laughs> some patience because yeah i'm actually I, like i'm actually now sitting here listening to you thinking that you shouldn't like this is not something that you should dumb down at all because this impatience the urgency the the voice like that is um that's essential because that's the thing that gets the slow incremental changes moving like that's what gets someone i have a million planets in capricorn like i don't care about anyone but myself in many ways and for me to to you know witness your hear your words witness your emotion behind those words like okay now, now we're talking like now i also sort of remember what we're all here for you know what i mean like yeah. for you it's as long as it's channeled into the this needs to change right now you are going to have to feel the personal futility of how impossible that is but actually knowing that that um i'm missing the word but like how um yeah how much gravitas this has or the gravitas that there is is coming through you for someone like me to be able to hear it and that's the value like that's the essential part of the process of you know that's the part that your essence plays in in getting the pieces to shift mm. thank you for that that was a very beautiful perspective on um yeah on something that i definitely struggle with i gotta say lauren this conversation's way too profound for me at 9 20 in the morning <laughs> <laughs> um, the title? it's casually profound <laughs> i know i know <laughs> I was actually, uh, I was thinking about the conversation we were having earlier. Well, I think Lauren, you touched on this about, um, you know, recognizing that 
there's not just our community, there are other communities. And part of our job is, is to make sure that those other communities are heard, which we did a lot of, right? When we did advocacy yeah. work, right? One of our big advocacy initiatives was to get funding for Indigenous and Inuit students, right? Mm -hmm. So because of that, um, I think about that often. I also, one thing I've been working on is recognizing my privilege in society because I'm a lawyer, right? You know, I have literally access to change um, and I, you know, it's a slow game like any change, but things change because of decisions that happen around the work that I do. My work is maybe less exciting than say, you know, criminal law or, or family law or, or what have you, but it's still important um, and making sure that you create a space at the table for those who don't have access to that change is so important. Um, and I know it's something that as a legal community in Calgary, Alberta, we've been working on for, for a long time, especially with indigenous people. Um, they actually have a, an entire court that's built in a circle for um, sentencing for indigenous folks so that they can have their elders there and they can have other aspects of their culture there um, and do it as a community, the sentencing, rather than as a predominantly white justice system dictating why this happened and what should resolve it, right? Um, and Lauren, you probably know this, we have special prison systems as well that Indigenous people can access that are community-based rather than um, your standard <laughs> terrible prison system. Um, but don't get me started on that because I'll go on a big rant about how oh, there's over-representation of Indigenous people and all that jazz and nobody wants to hear about that today. It's not the topic. <laughs> so the point being, you know, you have, you do have these aspects of change and, and making sure you create a seat at the table and listen and um, you know, your change as an internal person might have more impact than you think it does, right? This conversation is going to go with me to work on Monday and is going to be something I'm thinking about for probably the rest of my life, whether I know it or not, right? It's going to be something that's built in. Um, and this idea of big change really in our current state of the world is with communities that are, no offense, not our community. It's not white women that need to be propped up right now it's yeah. other communities right yeah hey does anybody have any closing thoughts any words of wisdom anything anything that we want to get out there that you didn't have a chance to say earlier i think the only closing thought i have is rachel you can make a, a much more bigger impact than you think you can as an individual just by being you thank you <laughs> i would totally second how Minerva said too and that you pack a huge punch in what you say like it's what you are feeling i'm feeling when you're saying it the um the so that's comes what you're saying and feeling comes across very clearly thank you that's that's a, a definite wound of mine is um is communication in general um, I'm better I'm better in writing form which is another reason why the memes come up but I feel very I feel very seen and very understood by you ladies so thank you not to turn this into like the me story but 
I really, really appreciate what you've said. And it's like, it's gonna, it's gonna make my whole year. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. Make your year and take it great places. Okay. So the with all of that thank you so much for joining us on the casually profound podcast if you're listening to this and you want to join the conversation please send me a message um you can reach me on instagram i am lauren like literally that's my handle i am lauren on instagram um and you can join us send us a message and we will go from there thank you very much for joining us and we will see you next time